Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? While there is this shame and and we haven't talked about menopause, as soon as you go, here's a bit of a platform to talk about, here's a door to walk through, women actually want to talk about it. If you were a teenager in the 90s, you'll remember today's guests as fondly as I do. Every month, I would eagerly await the arrival of the latest Dolly or Clio magazine, which, you know, was the teenager's fix of where we got schooled on all the things that we needed to know, you know, navigating our way through life as our bodies changed and boys started to consume our thoughts. We didn't have Google or social media in those days, so we needed to learn our life lessons in other means. So magazines were where it's at. And the gorgeously natural, shiny face model that I remember most from the magazine covers in those times was the stunning Alison Bray. Alison Bray Datto burst onto the Australian modelling scene as a 16-year-old in the mid-80s, and her career journey has travelled through roles in education, charities, podcasting and writing. Ali has just launched her first book, Queen Menopause, which is a frank, compassionate and comprehensive companion for any woman experiencing menopause. And perhaps their partners might want to have a bit of a read as well, as you'll hear in the interview ahead. Ali also co-hosts a very special and incredibly successful podcast with her husband of 31 years, the equally iconic star of my upbringing, Mr. Cameron Detto. In their podcast, Separate Bathrooms, they interview some of the most interesting couples in Australia as they take a look behind the closed doors of their relationships. It's a fabulous listen, so get on to that. Ellie has had a fascinating life and career. After modelling and being the face for such high-profile brands of the time like Portman's, which I loved, Covergirl Makeup, Nivea, Blackmore's, Brian Rockford and Jackie E. She moved into television with her own children's shows before emigrating to the US in 1991 with her new husband and giving acting a go. But this wasn't to be Ali's passion, uh, teaching children and taking care of children and indeed having her own children were where her heart's desire led and she took a break from the entertainment scene. Teaching was calling Ali and she embarked upon years of study, including the Body Mindful Institute, where she headed up the pregnancy program. She received her degree in massage therapy in 1999 and in 2013 she achieved her teaching degree from UCLA in early childhood. Her passion for teaching and working with children has continued and after moving back to Australia in 2017, Ali now teaches first graders locally up here in Sydney's Northern Beaches. Aren't they lucky kids? As well as being a patron of Rise Up Australia, a charity that assists domestic abuse families. I have been super excited with the prospect of sitting down with this gorgeous human and I cannot wait to get stuck in. Ali Datto, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm going to start with a bit of a fangirl moment, but you're about two years older than me and 
as a teenager, I've got to say, you were like my idol <laughs> all the days of magazines and Dolly Mags and Cleo. So I am just absolutely thrilled to meet you in person. So uh, I just have to start, get that off the thing because all Clear my girlfriends are going to go, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, what a whirlwind life you've had. And it's really exciting to have you here today, though, because there's a topic that you're really passionate about talking on. And it's something that I'm really passionate about as well. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, Ali, what would it be? Talk more about menopause and the effects it has on women and partners as well, but specifically on women and all range of women and all the ways it affects women Yeah, because <laughs> there's oh, so many it. levels. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we have a lot of male listeners. So I think, you know, those guys listening going menopause going, I don't want to listen to this. I dare you to stay tuned because, you know, as we sort of talked about before coming on air, there are so many impacts on partners through women going through menopause as well. So it's great for, you know, husbands, partners, whatever, to kind of realize that too and get some tips today for from you so stay tuned boys <laughs> yep if your partner's going through it this is going to help you as well the more you know the better it is for the partners out there yeah so you've written a book that's recently come out called queen menopause so what was the catalyst though why why was this something that you were so passionate about because it is a topic that almost has a shame element around it i would think it's a bit like talking about periods or you know like for me with my cancer journey i was talking about you know vaginal discharge and people are like Ugh! Like, don't talk about that stuff. How did you get there to then be a huge profile person and then decide, okay, I'm going to talk about this topic that makes people feel uncomfortable. Why is it you want to write a book about it and and bring this to the fore? I mean, first and foremost, it was because of how hard it was for me and the challenge that I felt going through it. And the more I researched it, the more I talked to women, the more I was a horrified that no one had warned me and told me these are the possible things that might happen to you. And that there was also this shroud of secrecy around it. This, And as you say, this shroud of shame that I just was like, why are we ashamed of something that's happening naturally to our bodies you know and you know now that we're sort of talking about periods and we're talking about infertility and we're in the me too movement and it was like why are we still sort of not acknowledging menopause and the effects that it has and you know the other part of it as I wrote it is like what's on the other side of it and then the more I talked to women about what was on the other side of it and how good it sounded I was like, oh, my God, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Yeah. (laughs) It's worth getting through this. It is so (laughs) worth getting through. And and so many women talk about like a better second half and better sex life and and more creativity and more time for themselves. I'm like, oh, this is the message. This is what I, I needed to read. So I'm like, this is what I want. The next generation, anyone in perimenopause who's just having the most shittest time to know you're going to get through this and you may actually feel better better than ever. So it was just so important to write. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, such beautiful insights there, Ali. And I think some of the elements that you talk about in the book is, you know, getting to those really kind of dark moments. And as, uh, you know, I just kind of know about as a 50 year old, how my body's changing, things are going on. And my markers are a little bit different to most women because I'd had a, you know, radical hysterectomy at 31. And so, you know, I haven't had a period for 
nearly 20 years. Woohoo for that. I've got to have one benefit out of having cancer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when I'd sort of had some dark days and some, you know, body changes and mood changes and things happened to me, you know, I sort of like, what's going on? But, you know, for someone like yourself who had made a living through, you know, your body and your looks and everything, I mean, I, it must have been a really interesting transition and change for you to kind of deal with that. I'd love to hear more about how you combated that and what that kind of led to? Yeah, look, I don't think it was any harder for me than anyone else. I think what helped me in a lot of ways is that I actually, you know, left the modeling industry and the entertainment industry, oh gosh, when I was sort of 26 or so. So I hadn't been in front of a camera for years. No one had seen what I'd really looked like for a long time. I didn't have all that pressure on me. You know, been living in LA and had a career in teaching and in postnatal work and birth support. So I had sort of switched out of that place very purposefully to have a career that did not base itself on how I looked. And I think that really was super helpful for me. So at the same time, being a woman and being alarmed at the changes was as hard as it was for anyone going through it, where it's just confusing as hell, where you just, you know, nothing you eat, nothing you do is making a difference to the body changes that that's just rapidly happening. I just, it just felt like almost overnight I had cellulite from my neck to my ankles. Like it was like, wow, like boom. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? And like, you know, I I think I write in the book. Oh, I don't think, I know I write in the book about the moment that I've got my arm out the window and all of a sudden like the wind is just flapping the arms around like nobody's business. I just couldn't believe it. And then sort of I catch a glimpse of myself in a photograph or from the side and I'm like, okay, like that's drooped, that's dropped, that's gone down. It was such a weird experience because I sort of hadn't paid a lot of mind in a lot of ways to my physical look for quite some time. But all of a sudden I became very aware of how I looked in a lot of ways. And when I moved back to Australia, which is when I hit perimenopause and it was the hardest transition is moving from one country to the next. And it was then going through that mental toll of leaving my friends behind, leaving 25 years of, you know, all my children's friends and all of our history there, then going into perimenopause coupled with then being recognized as Alice and Bray from the Dolly covers. And as I write in the book, you know, I felt really embarrassed and really kind of ashamed of like what I looked like because people, women are going to be disappointed now in me. And that was very much my people pleaser voice going, oh, you've let women down because they remember you as the 18 year old fit and trim you know no wrinkles yeah Mm -hmm. girl who was on the on the wall or on the cover of their convinced me to buy every piece of portman clothing ever (laughs) (laughs) that's right right. yeah yeah i loved working for them so it took me quite some time to sort of get past that for myself so that's where it actually got tricky when i when i moved back and i started being recognized again and you know i talk very much about this lovely friend of mine who was kind of a new friend actually and I was saying to her uh, talking about this one day and she looked at me she goes no one's thinking that about you only you're thinking that about you women are just happy to see you because they remember you from dolly days Mm. 
and you left us for the stage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you finally come back. Yeah. 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 So when she said that, I was like, oh, my God, because it's not how I think about other women as well. It was my own crap going on in my own head. So that's why now when women go, I remember you. I go, yeah, thank you. I thank you because it, as I say, you know, it was such a lovely time for us teenage mm. girls mm. back then. It mm. was really simple and it was, we had our dolly. Much and than now, yeah. It was so much easier. <laughs> we learned all about sex and all the, you know, crazy things in the, you know, sealed sections. It was like the most exciting things to learn about stuff versus, you know, yes. how the kids learn it now online on social media. That's oh, a bit with more graphic too much information. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've completely done a 180 on that so that helped me you know get through again like oh my god no I am changing I am four or five size bigger dress size now and by all means it was hard like it was mm-hmm. horrifying at times to look in the mirror and go I do not recognize my recognize body recognize yourself yeah I can relate to that stuff and I think as a ex-athlete as well when I started gaining weight I'd always go okay I'm clearly drinking a little bit too much uh, champagne so maybe taper that back and I went off for the month and I uh, you always would lose a few kilos that I've been gaining, you know, in the nine months prior or whatever, and nothing moved. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. What's going on? But I want to talk about other than the the weight sort of side of it, because I know the symptoms that I've had with things, even though mine's more about thyroid, but I um, wanted to learn a little bit more about what you went through. What were the symptoms that kind of really triggered you? And did you know what was going on to get help straight away? Or did you kind of just think, what the hell is going on with my body? I don't know what it is and kind of, you know, live in denial for a while. I definitely lived in denial for sure, because I didn't know, I didn't know what I was to expect mm. as well. I was mm. very naive about it. I remember one girlfriend saying, because I was sort of saying, oh, I'm really tired and my cycle's gone wonky as hell. So, you know, I'd have heavy, heavy bleed for two days and then I wouldn't have a period for three months and then I'd have a period every two weeks. And and she said, oh, it sounds like perimenopause. That was the first time I'd even heard that word and I, it sounded bloody awful I'm like would there's more <laughs> you know like perimenopause stage ah. you're like damn yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah I'm like oh, that's not right I'm just a bit stressed because I'm you know that was you know moving back to Australia ah, that can't be it that was certainly the first symptom and the thing that really alerted me that I was definitely in perimenopause was these ridiculously volcanic hot flushes that women who've had them know exactly what I'm talking about, where it feels like your head's going to explode. It's so much more than just feeling hot. Like it's so much more than that. Someone described it. I once heard like, because I have had little ones, but not like that, but it was almost like this, you know, furnace of you like literally burning from the inside out. Like it's not, you know, you get a heater when you're on the outside and it's kind of inflamed on your outside of your skin. This is deep within you. And it's like this furnace kind of, yeah, emanating out. And it seems to couple with like an adrenaline rush as well. So it's like this adrenaline rush and this massive internal, internal combustion where I would not be able to sit at a table or or stay seated at the time. I would have to go outside. I was like ripping clothes off. You know, the kids would see one look at my face and I'd be bright red. They're like, get mum the ice pack, (laughs) you know, ice pack (laughs) to the back of the neck. And I mean, the nighttime ones were always the worst because it was, you know, the blankets off, the blankets on, the blanket, like all night long, all night long. And that was just so exhausting 
And unfortunately, lack of sleep is is just one of the worst symptoms of perimenopause or menopause because, you know, sleep is the cornerstone of health anyway. And once you start losing your sleep, you can't recover. You're grouchy as hell, which adds to the mood swings. If you're tired and exhausted, it makes your hormones go worse, you know, get more imbalanced. So if you can try to get your sleep going, then you're like halfway home to be able to sort of deal with a lot of the other symptoms. So brain fog, did you have brain fog? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've still got a bit of that. That's still lingering. (laughs) Brain fog and anxiety. Uh, what a yes. lot of mates sort of talk about like they're anxious about the most minuscule basic things that would never normally worry them and I remember being with a girlfriend in Melbourne and she was driving and I hadn't seen her for a couple of years and she literally was driving like a 90 year old nana and I was like what's going on she didn't know that she was in this sort of stuff and she's just like so anxious on the road and I'm like she used to be a rev head like burn around you know it's just like she's driving she's like oh ooh, the car and I'm like what's going on with you? You know, it's just, it turns out like her anxiety was like through the roof, through that kind of period, which is really interesting. And that's one thing, you know, as a partner of a menopausal woman, to be able to understand that, that it's like all of a sudden they're like really anxious about little things that they've never been worried about. You can't get out of that mindset. It's, It's really hard. The things I used to worry about, I mean, I still worry about certain things, but like bizarre things, like my children being attacked by crocodiles, like living in Sydney. Like, why am I (laughs) panicked about this? I'm like, God. Narrabeen Lakes, maybe. (laughs) Narrabeen Lakes. I don't know. Crossing the Harbour Bridge. I don't know. Just nuts. So once I was having all those mental stuff and the exhaustion and it was like, yeah, I I knew I needed to get help for sure. And did Cam, like, is there anything that he sort of said he identified in you like now, later, that he can reflect back and go, oh, yeah, you were this, this and this? Because I know my husband's had some nice feedback for me going through stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cam's, of course, read the book, so which has helped him understand me a lot better. And I always, I quote this now because I just thought it was so adorable. He, he read it like it had already been out for a month or two before he read the full thing. I'd given him little bits and pieces, but he called me up because he was away at the time and he goes, honey, did you write this book just for me? And I was like, no, <laughs> but yes, but kind of, because he's like, there was so much for him in there to understand better yeah, about who I was nice. and what I was actually feeling. And for him, he could absolutely then place things that made sense, you know, just like did not want to sleep in the same bed as him, could not sleep in the same bed as him, did not want to socialize, just didn't want to see anyone. I was like, yeah, no, right. I don't want to see anyone don't want to do that and he was really confused about that you know let's go for a walk let's do this no I don't want to do that I'm too tired and again yeah the worry about things and worrying about that is like just you know let it go it's okay I'm like oh I can't so mm-hmm. it all in hindsight for him yeah he could place all of my craziness or you know mood swings down to what I was going through it's almost like you've handed him your diary, right? Or your journal for, you know, capturing those kind of moments and the things that you're feeling. And if you can share that with your partner, because I think that was one of the triggers for me. One was the, you know, not being able to move the weight. Mates were talking about menopause and perimenopause. And so I kind of wondered, brain fog was like hugely, you know, it's like, I, you know, you and I are mates for 20 years. And then I go to introduce you to someone and I'm like, I cannot remember your name. And I'm like, like what is going on with my head and started I started to freak out and think am I getting like early kind of stage onset of you know I'm like that's right Alzheimer's like what the heck yeah 
and you know, and the guys sit on boards and stuff. So that type of stuff was making me really nervous as well. Going, am I going to be able to remember shit sitting around the board table? So those kind of elements, but the key triggers that made me go to the doctor were when I started to bite his, you know, Dennis, my husband, bite his head off. And I just recognized this anger inside me that I'd never felt before. And then also like this depressive, you know, almost like a cloud over me, this black cloud for three days and felt like, wow, is this what it's like to be depressed? Because I've never experienced that in my life. I'm an optimistic, you know, happy kind of Pollyanna person. (laughs) So that was like, couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days. I'm like, what's going on? This is not normal. But um, it turned out mine was, you know, it wasn't in perimenopause, but it was all hormonal still as well. And it was about my thyroid. So I really recommend, you know, and I think that's probably something I'd love to ask you a little bit more around, you know, the symptoms that you had or what, what the triggers are for people to go and see their doctor or some sort of therapist of, of some kind, whether it's a naturopath or, you know, women's health specialist, because I know there's a lot now as well, but what your thoughts are and recommendations are there, because it's, um, you know, that was the, the change for me. It, it, it took me ages to get there, but it made such a difference once I did see someone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, seeing someone for your mental health as well, you know, if you're feeling like you're having depressive episodes, you know, that's because that was certainly my experience as well. So, I mean, I think the best thing that I can recommend is, you know, be aware of, you know, what age you're at and go, go in, if you've got any symptoms, go in and, and ask for a full blood workup and go, I want to have a full blood work. I want my thyroid checked. I want my cholesterol checked. I want my hormones checked. I want my vitamin D, all like those levels checked. So you know if anything is out of balance. So you can at least, you know, you can work on that side of things. And then have a list of your symptoms. Have a list of what, you know, even if you think it's like, oh, like I'm having a a bit of trouble remembering things, you know, like something that you might just go, oh, it's probably lack of sleep. Oh, lack of sleep. Maybe that's something else to write down. So have your list of symptoms, particularly the ones that bother you the most at the top Mm -hmm. of the list and bring that to your doctor and, you know, and then they can prescribe for you the best way to go and definitely don't just be brushed aside. This is something that can be incredibly impactful. You know, women, you know, as, as you were saying, you were, you're concerned in the boardroom, women have had to leave their jobs because of menopause. Marriages have broken down. I mean, mm. women do get suicidal. Women have committed suicide. It's a natural process, but it can come with enormous amount of challenges And I just don't want any woman to be dismissed by a doctor by just being like, oh, you'll get over it. Oh, it's just, you're just tired. I'll give you a sleeping pill. Or, you know, if it doesn't feel like you're getting enough help, find someone else that will actually spend the time and and go through all those levels for you and and prescribe something that's going to really help you. Because there actually is a lot of help out there. There really is. Women have had amazing results with HRT, amazing results. And then for HRT that doesn't, you know, assist women, I know certainly some women that have gone through cancer often can't go on HRT, but there's other things you can try. There's other elements that's out there or you can do HRT and naturopathic or whatever it is you want to mix up in your body Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Mm -hmm. feels right for you, then do that. Do the right thing for you. Well, you spoke with lots of different people through, you know, their kind of menopause journal. I imagine everyone's journey is pretty different, but did, were there common threads 
that you have found in all the people you've talked to about this or any sort of elements that other than everyone saying it's shit? (laughs) (laughs) The story I'd love so much is Rhonda's story because at first she said, oh, darling, you know, I I really didn't have anything. My period just stopped and, and I was just thrilled about it. And that was about it. And I'm like, are you so going in my book because women need to hear that story as well. Like apparently it's about 25% of women actually get no symptoms. Their their period Mm -hmm. does just stop. And that's also really important to know because you might have a couple of hot flushes. You might just have a a couple of nights of not sleeping. I mean, it can, it can go so many different ways. And that's certainly the most common thing is, is that not everyone's got like the same story, but honestly, the, truly the, the most common theme is the postmenopausal story. Across the board, everyone I spoke to postmenopausally were just so grateful, so happy that they were on that side and ha- felt like a million bucks compared to what they'd just been through. They felt stronger. They felt more committed to having fun and doing things for themselves. Like there was this, that they always, people always talked about this, the, I don't give a crap. I don't give a crap about that anymore, which is beautiful. so beautiful for yeah. us. I mean, it's about mm. time that, that women find that space in themselves to just go, Too yeah, right. I'm just going to take care of myself. Yeah. I'm just going to do this for me. So yeah, that's been a beautiful um, message and experience for me. Now I'm postmenopause. Hearing those stories for me was was so exciting because it gave me something to reach for and something to know. So I think I really drove myself in the pursuit of that of that story as well. So postmenopause makes me it right. I mean, you can't you know for people going through it now if they're listening and or they're at the start, like you just don't know. Some people, you just say a bit like Rhonda, that could last if they don't get it, but or they could get it and it lasts a short time, but others it could last for years. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. So yep. Yep. unfortunately there's no way to kind of, you know, speed this up. But I think your message is hang in there. It will get better. Yep, yep. If if this isn't working, if you're on if you're on if you're going naturopathically, it's not enough. You know, maybe you do need HRT or or vice versa or or try something else. Try meditation, try massage, try whatever it is. Keep trying different methods till you find something that actually does does help because we shouldn't have to suffer through it. We really shouldn't. I think it's something that needs to be, I think HRT needs to be made free. I don't think women should be paying for HRT. It's something that, you know, half the population is going to go through. So why aren't we getting free funding for menopause? You know, I think that that would be a really important thing for women. Because what if you can't get to a doctor? What if you're out in the country and you can't get help? You know, that's really challenging. So there needs to be more done support-wise for sure. It's starting to change without a doubt. And right, women are speaking. right? That's right. Yeah, women are speaking up about it. About. Yep. I always mention this because the UK are like way ahead with menopausal support and they're doing amazing things over there. They're doing all sorts of funding in businesses. Government is, is putting a lot of money towards it. Like a lot of women are talking about it. Rod Stewart is talking about it. Wow. 
Which is really great because his wife's which, going which through one, it. Oh, Penny, so I was going to say, but all of his wives would be going through it. All of his wives would have gone through it. Yep. Right. The whole, yep. You know. That's right. Which is really, really good. I, I said yeah, to Cam, good. I'm like, you know, honey, yeah. you might want to jump on that bandwagon because yeah, if Rod Stewart's talking good. about it, yeah. you should be yeah. too. Well, I think your your whole point about, you know, him, you writing the book for him, I think is a lovely one. He could, you know, pull those elements out about, you know, these are the things that she reminded me of or, you know, taught me about, which is lovely. for, And it could be a good one for, you know, other men to hear a husband reflections on that uh, you being through the other side and a point again that a lot of people have talked about is around you know the relationship together and obviously the impact on your sexual drive through this at the height of menopause as well and how that you know causes a massive issue in your relationship and you know you're you were sort of saying like it's good on the other side and that's a question I sort of had is does that all improve and you feel better and you get your sexual drive back or like what what what's been your experience in that kind of case as well that's a really tough one. And that's something that I think is often where a lot of the shame comes up around going through menopause when your libido can not again, not always can, you know, fall, fall to the ground and be lost. So that's something that we have really had to consciously work on, like really consciously work on. And that's, I think there's, there's many things again, you can do for that. Um, I don't think there's a quick fix for that either. There is, but there is things like suppositories, vaginal suppositories that work. If you've got vaginal dryness or vaginal atrophy, that's a, it's a really good one to go to see your gynecologist for, because there is help for that. I don't know if there's a magic pill that gives women their libido back. I Why have not, not found that one. Boys have got a blue pill. Another I thing, right? Know. They get a little blue pill and it's all fine. What you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and look, I know there's things like ginseng and you know oysters and zinc, high levels of zinc. There's all of that kind of Isn't stuff. Champagne in that as well, surely. Probably, hopefully chocolate too, because that's my favorite. But yeah, look, I think that that's something that it's a good conversation to have with your partner because that can be something that can definitely cause a a rift or a tear in the relationship and it really needs to be discussed. And it's not that you don't love your partner anymore, but it's sort of like the idea of it can be alarming because it can really hurt. And why would you want to do something that physically hurts? Or you just don't have the energy or the time or the inclination or all of that stuff. You know, so it's a can be a big conversation, but such an important one to have. Yeah, no, you're right, and I think that's that's where it starts, isn't it? It's about the communication together. Further to that, I think you uh, read somewhere where you wrote the book saying that you didn't want one of the main reasons was that you didn't want women to feel lonely anymore. And so, do you feel that that's you know you've had that impact so far? Obviously, you've been on talking lots about menopause for the last what six months nine months or something now so uh, are you finding that you're getting that message through and people are starting to understand that there is help out there for them definitely and that has been the most beautiful experience for me and and whether it's just a message on my instagram a little private message that i get from women or doing um you know talks around the book i've had just like little talks at libraries and stuff and and I, I did one up at Erina um, a little while ago, and it was so gorgeous. We had about 40 women, 
And it ended up just being like this women's circle. And we, you know, women were talking to other women. It was like, a, it wasn't just a conversation with me. It was a conversation with all of us. And everyone was supporting everyone else in, in their feelings and, and what they'd been through and how hard it was. And everyone was, you know, they were offering advice and, oh, well, you know, maybe you could go see this person. And oh, this was what helped for me. And the thing that's sort of taken me by surprise in such a beautiful way is that while there is this shame and and we haven't talked about menopause as soon as you go here's a bit of a platform to talk about here's a door to walk through women actually want to talk about it they want to tell you their story and that's often what's happened in in these book events that I just have women telling me their menopause story and I love it because then I feel normal again you know I feel less alone it's like oh my god you're like me too yeah you had the same thing so we're all bonded by that and and women do that so beautifully and I love that about us so yeah it's it's been a gorgeous experience and I I, I believe the book has helped women out there. It's what I've been getting told. So that's that was my goal. If it helps someone somehow, I'm I'm a happy lady. Oh, no, I think you're making a massive impact, which is a beautiful thing. And just having this conversation, you know, and just even the, the parts that I get from you, it's just fabulous. So thank you for that. So Ali, what's next for you? You know, you're making a massive impact here with this. I want to keep writing. Um, that's for sure. I've, I've just loved, I've always loved the writing process, but the book has been a really exciting writing process for me. I, I want to keep, you know, like we've mentioned, you know, off camera, I really want to keep talking about menopause. It doesn't have to be that I'm talking about my book, but I really want to keep talking about menopause. There's still more to, to explore and support. And, you know, particularly for women out there that have actually gone through early menopause due to, cancer treatments or you know that having everything removed and the the women that I've spoken to who've had that experience it's it's you know my experience times a hundred but in within a space of a week they've gone from zero to a hundred and those women are really struggling and I think they need a bit of a voice as well so yeah I'm not sure I just feel more I feel more capable of giving anything a go which is really exciting so I teach first graders so I'm going to keep my teaching job because I love that how lucky then, are those first graders to have you as a teacher oh my gosh crash on them it's like yeah they'd just be beautiful well the thing is that they they have no idea about my history or anything yeah, but who their I parents am would. <laughs> yeah a couple of them do which is quite funny their parents would be like do you know who your teacher is <laughs> I know <laughs> and every now and my, again I go yeah. my mom recognizes you and I'm like oh you so that is so lovely I love I love that work it's just so grounding for me it's the best yeah, well, kids are nothing like first graders to, uh, you know, keep you grounded and remind oh, yeah. you who you really are and how little oh, you yeah. are. That's <laughs> Telling right. you the truth. That's Absolutely. Ellie, yeah. it's just been divine to chat with you today. Thank you for being on the One Question Podcast. What an absolute delight. Oh, my pleasure. Again, thanks for having me, Michelle. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? 
please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.